Be sure to tune into Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much, much more. On her new radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues, as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration laws or are notable immigrants themselves. Check out her new show, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., Immigration with Tamina Watson on Daisy 1250 a.m., radio that listens to you. Good morning, Seattle. This is Tamina Watson, who sounds like a frog today, unfortunately. Um, I've been suffering from a terrible cold for a last, I don't know, maybe 10 days. So unfortunately, um, I'm not going to sound my good self, but as long as you can hear me and understand me, that's all that matters. The show must go on, whether I can, you know, if I'm well or not. So here I am, making sure that I give you the immigration news that you need to hear. Today is um, Tuesday, March 8th, 2016. We're thankful to be in a year that has been so interesting so far. Every week there's been more and more interesting issues come up on the immigration front. Um, We'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Our phone number is 844-301-1250. Um, We have a wonderful guest who's going to be speaking today. Luckily, I recorded her interview when I could actually speak. (laughs) So hopefully you'll get to have a um, a taste of my usual voice if you haven't heard me before. Um, In news updates, number one, the H-1B deadline is March 31st. It's creeping up and the Department of Labor is about to slow down in all their processing because this is the month where everyone starts filing their labor conditions applications. So if you um, are hoping to file an H-1B, you shouldn't be delaying much further. Um, in other news, uh, I, was, I was looking at the news this morning, and interestingly enough, there was a, um, an interesting article on Breitbart.com, B-R-E-I, T-B-A-R-T dot com. And what it talks about is something that I talk about quite often. And it essentially says 25% of uh, immigrants are undocumented in the U.S., yet the 25% of illegal immigration is what dominates the conversation for immigration. And the other 75% of legal immigration really isn't discussed much. So the rhetoric really needs to change. So much about illegal immig- legal immigration needs to change, and we have seen that through the comment period of the I-140 EAD um, deadline that was recent on February 21st. We've also seen that in the VisaGate um, case that is pending at the Seattle Federal District Court. Um, and so it's, it's, the conversation needs to be redirected to legal immigration, but it can only happen if you really make it happen. So I would ask that listeners, you contact your congressmen, your senators, and make sure that you get your opinion heard. If you write a letter to the editor, um, it doesn't have to be very long. You can comment on these issues and newspapers want to hear from you. So you have to really get the discussion going. If you have questions for me, I'd be happy to answer them. You can email me at info at Watson Immigration Law. 
Another piece of information that has been dominating the news this week is whether a three-year-old can adequately represent them in immigration court. Um, you hopefully have seen that headline um, splashed on all sorts of news outlets. And a Virginia immigration judge essentially said and repeatedly said that children can act as their own immigration attorneys in immigration court. Um, how ridiculous. I have a three-year-old at home. I have a six-year-old at home. I cannot imagine my children representing themselves if the need ever came. And it is ludicrous to think children can represent themselves in court. Last week, we had the eminent and esteemed Jorge Barone from the Northwest Immigrants' Rights Project here at the C1250. And you may have heard him speak about that they do class action litigation. Um, and in fact, Northwest Immigrants' Rights Project has also filed a case on this very issue. There's an article on the Cairo 7 website in which um, Cairo 7 interviews Matt Adams, who is the legal director at NERP, and he talks about um, the various issues that this case has brought up. The case is now pending at the Seattle Federal Court as well, and we hope some good decisions come out of it. So uh, now to talking about our very wonderful guest. Um, our wonderful guest is a notable immigrant, and I'm so proud that I had the opportunity of working with her. Her name is Aurora Chiste, and we are going to be listening to her interview. Um, so give us a second, and the interview will be playing in just one moment. Be sure to tune into Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much, much more. On her new radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues, as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration law or our notable immigrants themselves. Check out her new show, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., Immigration with Tamina Watson on Daisy 1250 a.m., radio that listens to you. Listeners, today we have a wonderful, wonderful guest uh, with us. And um, talking about O-Visas earlier, uh, this guest is just um, a joy to have. And to be honest, she's actually a client of mine who's been who's been wonderful to work with and she agreed to, to actually speak. So um, she is a notable immigrant, not just in the US, but actually she's a notable personality um, globally. I am so proud and honored to announce today's guest, Aurora Chiste. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Tamina, for the wonderful introduction and for having me here today. Thank well, so I'm very, very grateful to have you. Well, listeners, before I chat to her, um, obviously, I want you to know about her. So Aurora Chiste is the CEO of Hack for Big Choices and a global shaper at the World Economic Forum. Aurora Chiste, a perennial vagabond, is a native Italian currently based in San Francisco. In Silicon Valley, Aurora has pursued her passion for entrepreneurship education and growth, devoting herself first to the startup world as an active entrepreneur, advisor, mentor, and in her current capacity as CEO and co-founder of Hack for Big Choices. 
Aurora also acts as innovation strategist to various companies, helping them to define new innovative strategies that help them optimize their assets and improve their growth. Photography is her favorite tool to observe the world and tell stories that help us see a different reality because she believes that what we can see and imagine in our minds can also be projected into the world around us. Her work includes I'm a Woman Project and Hack for Big Choices is a global movement using the power of entrepreneurship to tackle the issues that stifle and block a country's development. Hack for Big Choices empowers talented people to solve local problems by helping them to develop innovative products and launch new businesses. Hack for Big Choices also works alongside government entities and the private sector to build strong partnerships that can provide resources to these talented people. Welcome, Aurora. Thank you so much for taking your time to be here. I know you're from San Francisco. You, you flew all the way to Seattle, so I'm very grateful for that. So many questions. How was your flight to Seattle? <laughs> Wonderful. And Seattle is really beautiful. This is my first time here. Wonderful. Well, I hope, you know, the sun is out today, which is really, really special. You know, I I have so many questions for you. You've you're you've been all around the world, and you want to be in the U.S. and you're here. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Uh, I came to the U.S. to the U.S. first to study. Uh, I had my bachelor degree in Italy, but at the same time, I was taking classes in uh, California. So under that time, I had like a student visa. I was like really enjoying to be part of like an international class um, of students. A really new type of experience for me. I was trying to learn more English and understand better, you know, seeing the world from a different perspective, which is what I was missing uh, studying uh, in Italy. And after that. I joined uh, Be Into, with whom I did like uh, my CPT, so I had a chance to do like an internship while I was at school. And Be Into was like an Italian company that was trying to approach the American market. So I had the honor and the pleasure to help this European company to enter the market for the first time. And I think that my position uh, was just key in their development because at that time I was able to un- to have a good understanding of like both markets. So as being a really excited experience and during the time I also understood that like business development and marketing that's what like I wanted to do the most because being able to bridge the cultures and enable to new new businesses opportunities it really like motivates me and it's a challenge that I really love so after that I went back to school and in the meantime we applied for an E2 visa because I've been the first employee that be into had in the U.S. And we opened one office in California, one in New York, and we had like six people. So it's been a really nice uh, experience to see how I could help on one side, like my country, uh, because the team, we were like 30 people at that time, 21 were Italians. Uh, So on one side, like help Italian talents to... um, to, to dream big and like um, develop like new businesses, and on the other one, I was seeing like how I could like make a, make a difference. I was really young, and it was one of my first like job experience, but we made it, and this is one of the big lessons that the U.S. Uh, taught me. Like everything is possible, and this is probably like one of the most meritocracy um, countries that I know. And this is, is really really exciting because in Italy it hasn't been like that. Uh, so seeing that all my efforts, all my work and what I learned in the U.S. was able to make a difference in a small startup. 
Wonderful. So here we are today, and you're CEO of your company, and you actually have a visa for that company. So you're working for Hack for Big Choices. Exactly. Um, you, you know, it's it's been an absolute honor getting to know you, and all the work you do. Um, and but the visa hasn't been an easy one to get. What would you change if you had the choice? Um, so all the visa that I had in the U.S. for me has been like uh, an award or a way to recognize this the the status that I was in in my life. You know, when I was a student, I had a F1 visa. I had like the E2 visa when I started to work. And as a CEO and like a co-founder, there wasn't exactly a visa that could like match. Uh, my needs and my position so uh, I know we have been discussing like H1 visa but you know I'm a business person so it's like much harder to um, get one. Um, Do you think a startup visa would have helped? Absolutely. Uh, that's I think what's what's actually what's actually missing because when you try to use all the expertise that uh, you have you have gathered in your life and try to put it in, into something new and try to take like this leap of faith and see like what what you can build and what's gonna be next, there's not a visa that like help you to go through that process. The way that we are creating innovation right now uh, is like much faster that has never been before. So. The law and the way that the metrics of the visas uh, work don't match what are like the requirements. Um, so innovation itself is something that the day before didn't exist. Mm. And so you have to create it. You have to come out with something. And you, mm. don't, you don't know what's the result. You know, most of the time you aim, you aim big and you hope that um, and, you, and you have like this faith that something big is going to happen. But until... Um, uh, until you're not done, you don't know what's the result. So I don't feel that there's any visa that is helping right now, like people to go through like this process. Wonderful. So you know that's music to my ears in the sense that you know I'm uh, I actively advocate for immigration reform and particularly a startup visa for people like yourself, people that you are helping, entrepreneurs. Um, it's absolutely crucial that we have that. Um, if you had. Uh, Somebody here, maybe even our president, Obama here, what would you actually tell him about the current system? What what should they do? Ah, I would love to talk to Obama. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I know that he will be able to understand this point really well because we are used to see like entrepreneurs, mostly as like tech entrepreneurs. Um, so those people who can be a like digital product that in one, two months can make like the huge miracles of bringing on board one million users like if it's not two months it can be like two years or one year right? you see like the huge difference in terms of, like money and in terms and it's really easy like to quantify that but that's like how entrepreneurs have been most of the entrepreneurs have been like for the last like 15 years and now more and more there's this uh, we are called social entrepreneurs which I don't like this I don't like this too much like this name because I don't feel should be an option to take care about um, the social issues but that's how they call us so as a social entrepreneurs our metrics are much different because we impact people's life and that's something that you can see in a life cycle mm. for example um, you can think about Mohammed Yunus. So Mohammed Yunus, who won like... Who you've hung out with right here. <laughs> I had the pleasure to meet him in Davos. Um, That's Davos at the, the uh, in Switzerland for the World Economic Forum? Yes, exactly. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So he won the Peace Nobel Prize mm -hmm. in 2006. 
for like redefining the microfinance world. But his work started back in the 70s when he noticed that banks were like uh, loaning money only to um, to men. And his intuition was uh, that women were going to invest those money much more like in the family and they would give those money bank, back to the bank. So he started himself to give money to to like women and like have, I mean, we we're talking about like 50 cents so like a really small amount but just to prove the fact that they were able to give the money back so it took him like 10 years to completely like shift the paradigm of the way that microfinance was working and um and then you know 20 years later he won the peace nobel prize because then he became he started like the Grameen foundation the Grameen bank and i know he's working not only in bangladesh but in africa and in many other emerging markets so you can see like in his case you we have been able to see the result of his work only after like 10 years and this is not the timing that works for our visas right now. And uh, the U.S. is a beautiful country because there are like a lot of like bright people and it's an environment that it's all about pushing innovation and making things happen. So I feel that entrepreneurs uh, of any, any sort and kind should have like an opportunity to be in this country and to try to launch their businesses and make it like an international um, affair so instead of like only an American affair. Wonderful. Well, I hope somebody important is listening to you and taking note of what you've just said because it's absolutely profound that we don't have a visa for entrepreneurs. And not in that sense. We have a visa called investor visas, but the form is called for entrepreneurs. Um, but it's the, the, in the 1990s, when they've created those forms and called them entrepreneurs, it, it, it's not the same definition of what an entrepreneur is today. And you said in, innovation is happening so fast that it's, it's very difficult to keep up. So it, it, long and the short of it is what you're saying is the visas that we have are not in keeping with the, the, the types of work that you essentially do so you know it's we don't have a lot of time i would love for you to tell um the listeners a little bit about your work oh uh so um with that big choices our mission is to help countries to tackle the issues that are blocking their development through innovation and entrepreneurship and this is like the big lessons that i learned in silicon valley we have all the tools that we need to take on any challenge it's all about a matter of like having committed individuals who want to uh take on that. So we have been working at in America and currently we are working a lot in Africa. If anyone wants to get in touch with us, they can go on our website www.h4bc uh, for like a number uh, dot com. Can you repeat that please? h4bc dot com. Wonderful. Well, you know, we only have like a minute left. Can you give us an example? I mean, you have told me about a village where you've changed the lives of children and you have changed the lives of various communities uh, in this very short life that you have had. To give us a small, a, an example very quickly. Uh, I don't change the life. I enable like other entrepreneurs to take care about their country, be able to provide for themselves and create new solutions for the community. So it's not me directly and I really want to make sure that this is, um, this is clear. Um, every country has like its own its its own issues. And for example, in Colombia, uh, kids in remote areas 
don't have access to school and not because there's a lack of schools but because the public the transportation to school is not well developed so they either like uh, stop on the way to go to school or like it's, it's too dangerous and uh, one of our startup like in uh, two years ago in Colombia they came out with an idea of like a special bike with a GPS and a unique design that make this experience like a social experience and safe because like the family get notified when the kids go to school and the bike like allow them to um, to ride like safely so you know sometimes like a really little hack that only like local entrepreneurs local people knows but they can make the difference that's wonderful so essentially you help them create a bike sharing system where these children would go to school in groups and um, parents knew where they were and they would actually go to school because otherwise they wouldn't be able to tackle that distance. Exactly. Wow. Look at that change you're making into these lives and the communities. From one, edu- one educated child will by themselves change communities and you're just educating an entire village. So that's wonderful. Well, listeners, um, Aurora Chiste is a, an absolute wonderful person who is really making a difference in the world. And I am so honored to know you and to have the privilege to have worked with you and to see what you've done. And I wish you all the success in your future and personally, but also for Hack for Big Choices. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Tamina, again, for like helping me to be in this country and uh, for this great time together at the radio. Wonderful. Well, listeners, uh, we will be back shortly. Well, that was Aurora Chiste, the amazing, amazing social entrepreneur. You know, what she said was very profound. Um, There are no visa categories for entrepreneurs uh, that have uh, the type of measures that are necessary. And she gave a very articulately gave the example of Muhammad Yunus, who is an eminent, preeminent social entrepreneur globally, globally known. In fact, I was reading an article that he was mentioned in um, in the Kuwait Times, I believe, only this morning. And he wants to redesign not only the economy for places, but also countries. Excuse me. <coughs> so it's, it's very profound what Aurora said. We're going to take a tiny break. Be sure to tune into Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much, much more. On her new radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues, as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration laws or our notable immigrants themselves. Check out her new show, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., Immigration with Tamina Watson on Daisy 1250 a.m., radio that listens to you. Well, listeners, we're just about running out of time today. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. You can call us next week at 844-301-1250. That's 844-301-1250. Remember, they see 1250 AM is a brand new radio station in town. It's all about connecting the South Asian community. We have never had a station like this, and it is a true asset to our community. So make sure you listen, you spread the word. Um, I believe that 1250 um, is now showing on buses around the city. So if you spot a, a sign, then please do email the station and let you let them know you've seen us. 
um, we are here to stay and we're here to grow. So please tune in and spread the word. I will look forward to speaking with you next week and we'll have a wonderful guest then. Thank you to Aurora Chiste for being on the show and thank you to Desi1250 for being in Seattle with us. Seattle, thank you so much. Sorry about the voice, but hopefully I will speak better next week. Take care and bye-bye. Shahu ka shahdoo